A new survey says consumers are hesitant to buy electric vehicles due to the lack of available charging stations. The FTC remains busy by going after tech companies Amazon and Microsoft. And Virtual World Second Life celebrates 20 years of existence. These stories and more are coming up on this episode of Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. The man behind the screens, as always, is Chris. Hello, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Good. Let's just do a, a news roundup of some recent news uh, that that uh, have been is interesting to me, at least. Uh, Tesla, we talked about this in our, in our last episode where they uh, made a deal with GM. Uh, they've previously made a deal with Ford to expand their supercharger network. Uh, and now this week they've announced that uh, Rivian Automotive has struck a deal to expand access of Tesla's fast chargers to drivers of its vehicles, further cementing the EV leader's dominance in the U.S. for owners looking to power up. Up. Uh, the deal gives Rivian drivers access to more than 12,000 Tesla superchargers in the U.S. and Canada starting in 2024 using an, an adapter for Rivian's R1T and R1S models. Future Rivian models will incorporate Tesla's charging port configuration starting in 2025. Now, this is obviously, you know, f- they've had they've got meeting. They've got uh, agreements with Ford, GM uh, and now Rivian. So Tesla, it looks like this is going to become the standard. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that there, there will be some sort of, uh, standard that everybody will follow? Cause they're, they're, they're trying to get one sort of like one plug type of a thing, or is it going to be like, is it going to be like the, the charging ports for phones where you're going to have two different standards? Um, I think there might be a couple different standards. Um, I think a lot of people are adopting, you know, Elon Elon Musk's uh, charging port, uh, you know, just because, well, there's so many Tesla chargers right. around, right? And, that, so. and and that's the advantage of being first mover. But if, you, if you're one of those interoperability types of people, and there's a lot of us in the tech space, we're like, let's just get everything working together and then worry about it later, as opposed to, well, just dominate the field and everyone will have to come to you. And that's what this this, yeah. this one feels like. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to push, you know, EVs, if you want to make EVs more accessible uh, to people, you got to get behind a standard. You, you just have to do it. And and I think all these other companies are just biting the bolt, and they're like, I really don't like Elon, but I know, I know, I don't like what he says. I don't, I don't like his Twitter account. I don't like but, you know, his Twitter. He's uh, yelling all the time. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to go with his, his charging port. So. I think it's I think it's good. Um, I mean, is this similar to sort of what Apple did with its lightning charging port? Yeah, it's pretty I mean, similar. You know, you you don't use it on your Google phone. On no. your, on, you know, you still that's is it USB C at this point? It's USB C. Yeah. So it seems like there's a USB C charging standard, and then there's a, a lightning. You know, and of course, you know, Apple could change its mind again, and then like do Lightning three or something like that, and then make everybody buy new cables. I I don't see that happening in the in the EV space, at least. No, definitely not in the EV space. But it's weird. It's weird to think of something with cars where you know, what if we had to go to a gas station and we would have to go to a specific pump you know for the for the for the gas pump that just seems that just blows my mind that 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 might happen with the the ev chargers yeah i mean because it's it's a completely different beast right like with gasoline it's just it's a nozzle yeah you're pouring a liquid into your tank where ev it's like you know you gotta have the right outlet you know it's like whenever you go to europe you have to have the european uh, yeah exactly And of course, and of course, we've never gotten a a full worldwide standard on on regular electric ports. So maybe maybe I shouldn't expect sort of one port, one one type of charging port. Yeah, I mean, the the electrical, I I can't 
remember the exact details, but it's like it's a different frequency in in Germany and yeah. oh, well, Europe, Europe. Yeah, but yeah, it just shows you how often I've only been over to uh, Europe once, and it was it was England, and so I don't think it was even before we had all of these devices that needed charging, right? Because it was in the early part of 2002, and so I don't even think I had a cell phone at that point. <laughs> or if I did, I wasn't using it because I was with my wife, so we didn't need to contact anybody. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this the reason that I think I wanted to talk about this, too, leads to sort of my next part within the EV space. Uh, J.D. Power uh, came out with a, st- a study last week that basically says that uh, action is needed to keep charging from short-circuiting EV purchase consideration. So they, they, you know, they do this regular survey about attitudes on whether or not you're going to buy uh, an EV, an EV, at some point. And uh, twenty. So now we're at 26% of shoppers say that they are very likely to consider purchasing an EV, but that's only up two percent from last year. Uh, it was at 24% last year so they're saying that the small bump in terms of interest and you would think that with all of the coverage and all of the growth of evs evs that you would see a bigger jump but you know basically there are some positives and negatives in terms of the reasons why people might not be as as excited about evs and you know lower gas prices probably cause people to think okay well I don't have to make that jump to EV. Uh, inflation, it's now more expensive to buy one of these cars. Rising interest rates, same thing. Greater, mod- greater, greater model availability is a positive. So like now they've got a bunch of different models out there. And then, but then charging availability is the last one. And so this is a great quote, which proves the point that we've been talking about on, on the show in past episodes. Uh, quote, with all of these influences shaping today's EV market, the biggest friction point for consideration is the availability of public chargers, said Stuart Strop, executive director of EV intelligence at J.D. Power. The growth in public charging is not keeping pace with the rising number of EVs on the road. While owners are impressed by what automakers are offering, they're also thinking about how, when, and where they'll be able to charge their vehicles away from home. A resounding effort to build out and improve the public charging infrastructure will emphatically increase EV purchase consideration. Uh, nearly half of the shoppers that were uh, you know, surveyed of this said that they, they rejected the idea of buying an EV. They said their primary reason that they don't want one is a lack of charging station availability. And charging availability has been the top reason for this rejection since the inception of the study in 2021. Uh, I'd even go further and, and add on to that and be like, you know, it's not just about like charging locations and the accessibility to that, but I'd even say like charging time. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I think that would be the biggest. Can you, inc- you think? do you, you know, I don't know how much, I don't know. I would not, I'm going to say right now, I don't know what the answer is on this, but can you increase the speed at which something recharges? Uh, yeah, I believe you can. Okay. Um, I'm trying and, to, you know, think. safely, I guess would be the next. The yeah. Next yeah. Thing. No, I'm trying to think what yeah. Tesla's uh, charging time is. It's like maybe like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, fully, fully charged on a supercharger, yeah. maybe yeah. 25. Yeah. 35 minutes, something like that. I think, I think, um, take that with a grain of salt. But, um, I mean, it it boils down to accessibility and ease of use. Do people want to give up their gasoline powered cars where it only takes you, what, four or five minutes for you to fully fill up? Right. Over an EV where you have to wait a long time. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta plan out your, your driving, um, range and yep. location right whereas with gasoline you don't think about it right and i think it's going to take a really long time like a really long time for evs to fully take over the same way you know gasoline powered 
cars are. And right? what and, you know, and I haven't seen any sort of like gas stations or places where you get gas now. I haven't seen a lot of them change over or even add EV. Like the EV charging stations are all in different locations. Right, right. Yeah. Um that are not that are not very friendly to have other th- you know, they're not really thinking this through of like, all right, if 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 this owner has to be here for 30 40 minutes, can we offer them something to do? That's the that's why th- that's why like they're at they're at malls, for example. I, I there's a bunch of, of Tesla ones at a local mall, but the charging stations are way back in the parking. <laughs> you have to walk. Right. A, it's almost like you have to walk thirty minutes to the mall and then come back. Well, that's the thing. It's like okay, we, we look at gas pumps today, right? Um, you're not going to see electric. You're not going to see chargers in gas stations for one. That's that's and, that's know, not going to happen. Why do you think that? Just well, it's a real estate issue, right? If you can, it, okay. Can we get by by putting one EV charger at a gas station? No. Heck no. Think about it. Because the car would be sitting there for 30 minutes and no one else would be able to use it? Or, or is it something exactly. else? Exactly. Well, it's that. And it also takes up space. That car now takes up a slice of real estate for X amount of time. Think, right. Think about it. Right. And, ch- and when you're talking about gas, you get like gas pump up, new car, but gas fill up, next car, exactly. gas fill up, next car. Think about the turnover the 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 turnaround the, I don't know turnover or, or turnaround turnaround time, time turnaround yeah. time of a gas pump, like I said, is four or five minutes. Yeah, six eight minutes if you got a if you got a big truck, right? I I don't know. It's really really quick. So if you start adding EV electric electrical chargers to gas stations, that's not going to work. They, they, you're going to have to have your own plot of land for EVs because you got to think about it. Those cars are going to have to sit there for a longer period of time, and they're going to take up space. So it's crazy to think it's it's crazy to think about i think um, i think the, can, yeah i think the initial rush of what where people were when they were buying a lot of ev cars was you know i i i want to use it for my work commute or whatever you know i just want to use it to get to work i'll right. recharge it when i get home so it's just used for that purpose it's like exactly. go to work with a full tank of of charge and then come back with you know and then if if you know then recharge and then you're back the next day. So what's happening now is people are, are saying, well, now I want to use the same vehicle and do a road trip or vacation or some other longer trip, whether it's, you know, go to grandma's on the holidays and you're two to you right. know, three hours away from, from grandma's house. And now they're realizing, well, the infrastructure is not there to do these. It's going to become harder to do. There was a there was a quote in this JD Power uh, press release. uh, Quote: Most EV owners uh, will say charging is one of the greatest benefits of ownership because eighty five percent of it is done at home. But it's the exceptional use case, like a vacation road trip, that's holding shoppers back. Proactively taking ownership of the public charging experience is a huge opportunity for automakers to differentiate. The recent announcements by Ford and GM to establish a charging collaboration with Tesla are particularly noteworthy. So. You know. I mean, even even not just not just vacation, but it's like, okay, I, I you know today's Saturday, I got to run a bunch of errands. I got to go to Boston, then I got to go to Rhode Island to do a shoot. Yeah, and then I got to come back home. Will that be enough? Will I have enough of a charge right. to do all that? And uh, and if you didn't like, so let's say you had, now you have a you know you have a, a combustion engine vehicle, so you've got a gas car. Uh, you, you know, you know, twice. you could see how much you have left. You know, and then you were like, well, now do I have to build in a, a, a stop at a gas station knowing that it's only going to take about five to 10 minutes. Right. But now I've, if, I, if I'm low on charge, I guess in theory, you'd be starting at home, so you wouldn't be necessarily low on charge. 
Yeah, no, you'd start, you know, fully charged, but again, throughout the day, you're... If you were doing a lot of trips and it was that 300-mile, you right. know, sort of... Right. Yeah, I think last week, we, we, you know, I drove up to New Hampshire, and the place we were going to was two hours away. Two hours up, two hours back, that's four hours. It was... Wow. A, you know, I used up about half of my gas tank, but I had to fill up the gas tank before I go, so there's only, like, 30 miles left. Yeah. You know, but I knew that... I knew that it was not going to take a long time. If I had an, an EV and did the same trip, then it might have been like, I don't know, I'll have to like, you know, find a charging port somewhere, perhaps. You know, I, I think we're just way off on this. I think we're way off. I just think we're way off. I think you'll, you'll see more charging stations, but not this concept that we have of what are we going to do when we recharge these things? I'm way off to the point where it really only takes five minutes to fully charge it. <laughs> <laughs> a car. I'm way oh, off. Okay, There's that's where you're going. Thousands and thousands and thousands of chargers. I thought I thought you were saying we're way off on increasing the number no, of charging no, no, stations no, no. out there because I think that's going to happen. That should and and that should maybe cause people. And again, if uh, if the price ever does come down for more affordable mainstream users, um, right? You know, maybe we'll see that as well. Uh, so you know, again, I, I like to see stories that sort of validate some of the questions that we have on the show. That's that. At least that makes me feel good, right? And hopefully it makes you feel better. Yeah, because I, I think there's a lot more aspects of EV cars that, again, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about. Yeah. And it's good. And then, like yeah, you said, and, it's good to see other people. And there is still the big it. question about how much um, usage of the electrical grid will all of these cars take up. So maybe a slowdown in adoption will help us get the infrastructure improvements we need for the electrical grid. Right. Because that's the last thing I want is that, you know, we're coming up, we're coming up in into summer months. I don't want to have to face a brownout in my kind of area because so many cars are charging. Right, right. I, I keep getting those notifications on my uh, Nest thermostat to opt into this um, energy saving <laughs> program. Okay. And I, I think California did something very similar. And it basically gave California the right to shut off here your oh. ac and i'm like i'm gonna opt out any sort of program like that because it's my ac i, oh, I want it on when i want it on i don't want anybody else to shut it off so 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 nest was asking you for permission to basically shut off your ac if it determined that the grid was being like overtaxed do you think that's what it was maybe 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 yes maybe no but yeah. it, it reminded me of the program that California had, right, right, where you can opt into this energy saving uh, program, and it basically gave the whatever the federal, state government, whatever the right to you know when they're going through brownouts or blackouts to shut off your AC during like certain hours of the day. Yeah, and I'm like, no, air no, conditioning. I'm not gonna... I, air conditioning is one of those technologies that I get really selfish about. Like, I'm all I'm all in favor of sort of working together as a human race to sort of better the the world. Except when it comes to air conditioning. Well, hey, that's, want, that's why want... we have solar panels, right? And and those windmill things, right? <laughs> that 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 powers my AC <laughs> at home. My AC ends up somehow being so used that basically I open up the freezer door and just stand in front of it for a while and hope like that. The that freezer ends up being warmer than your, the temperature in and, your house. And then I'm using so much power to, to, to you know, uh, power the freezer that it, it becomes a wash at the end. Mm -hmm. 
All right, let's move on to uh, the FTC. They've been really busy uh, recently. There, you know, there's this whole Microsoft Activision thing, and I'm going to get into that. But first, the big news was that the FTC is suing Amazon over its manipulative tactics that are basically used to enroll millions in Amazon Prime. Uh, this was pretty big news. I, I, you know, I know that when we first started talking about this, um, you didn't see you were you were a little hesitant to want to talk about this. But after I went through the, I went through the complaint and saw what they were doing. Um, the the initial stories did not say exactly what they were doing, but. Um, uh, when you read the complaint and a lot of it's red acted like you wouldn't believe like half of the story you can't even understand because it's all red acted um, and so that's that's weird that the, the FTC would do that probably because it's revealing some Amazon trade secrets that it doesn't want out there uh, but basically the FTC uh, sued Amazon.com this week alleging that the retail giant worked for years to enroll customers without consent into Amazon Prime and made it difficult to cancel their subscriptions to the program uh, basically, they're alleging that Amazon has duped millions of customers into enrolling in Amazon Prime, which is a $139 annual subscription service with more than 200 million members worldwide, uh, which has helped Amazon become an integral part of Amer- many American households' shopping habits. Um, I'm going to say right up front, I have we have Amazon Prime for you know all of the the benefits of the you know the free shipping, the one day, two day free shipping. Um, in addition, you get Amazon Prime Video. You there's some other like music unlimited. I I, I don't there's some other benefits that you get. Like uh, I'm 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 not a PC gamer, but every month I get free PC games and free pr- PC gaming add-ons for those if I was playing those. But I don't take advantage of those benefits. Um, I have considered considered dropping it. Because I feel like sometimes we don't, I don't use Prime Video as much as I used to. Um, but then my roadblock is not Amazon preventing me from canceling. It's my roadblock is sort of my family telling me, no, they, they like, especially my wife, she likes the, the, the free shipping availability. And I think that's, but that's not part of this complaint. So I mean, there's two parts of the complaint I want to go over. The first part was basically saying that, um, Amazon was using sort of some some design and user interface trickery to get people to sign up for whenever if, if you did not belong to Amazon Prime, okay, you, and you would you were trying to buy something, it, it'll bring you to screens that will forcefully go, hey, sign up for this free trial of Prime. Do you know? Hey, look how cool this is. Here's all the things you can get from it. Um, and basically making them click a bunch of different times, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks, before they would let you check out. And then some things on the mobile phones or even, you know, where they hide things. And they were making it really hard to basically opt out of it and, exactly. and entice you to sort of unknowingly click a button that exactly. then automatically subscribes you to the service. So that's the first part. That's the one where they're saying they're tricking people into, into, into subscribing. Now, the second half of that is more, interest, is more interesting to me, at least, um, which is the if you want to cancel, it sends you through like a 14-page uh, web page sort of clicking, in, you know, click fast of... Uh, of amazing different like steps and it keeps going like are you sure you you know it's almost like are you sure you want to quit are you sure you want to quit are you sure you want to quit and 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 then eventually you can find it if you have the patience and the way that you know Amazon calls this the Iliad yeah. which is a reference to you know the long Trojan War you know the poem by Homer um, and it does feel like a slog that you're going through um, I'm trying to bring up 
on my I'm trying to bring up the complaint because I have a, it right here. Do you have the FTC complaint? Yep. Oh god. The Iliad flow. So for years Amazon yeah. made it easy to enroll in Prime with one or two clicks, but created a four page, six click, fifteen option cancellation process known as uh, known internally as the Iliad flow. Right. Um, so they're, they're like like you said, it's very easy to sign up in one click. Yep. It's very hard to opt out. And I think it's a pretty low uh, tactic on Amazon's part. Um, but it, it got me thinking that um, I feel like a lot of services in general bank on the individual forgetting to cancel <laughs> yeah. their service. Yeah. Um, because it's like when you're enrolled in a service and you use it ever, ever so, you know, every so often, once in a while, you kind of forget about it. Right. Um, yeah. And, the, and, and there are apps yeah. that I've seen like ads for apps and this is usually designed at millennials uh, and maybe Gen Zers that, you know, use their phone for everything. So it's a phone app that will then check all of the different subscriptions that you have and will remind you which ones you have and let you cancel through those. So the fact that they have created apps to allow you to cancel a subscription shows sort of the world that a lot of these things are really difficult to cancel. Well, it's the type of, uh, I guess you could call it like the type of economy that we're in. It's like, right. It's we're all a subscription based economy now. Yeah. Everything's a subscription. Right. So it just goes to show like, yeah, I, I, I pay uh, X amount of dollars a month for water delivery. I pay X amount of dollars a month for a clothing delivery. Uh, my, my cat litter that I get delivered to the house is on a subscription base right for our cats uh would you would, would everything's on would you find that it's a, that you could cancel it if if the cat if you didn't have the cat anymore oh yeah sure it's uh we get it from chewy uh chewy.com okay. right but um i'm actually surprised that it's this difficult to opt out on the amazon prime um we have amazon prime we've never uh thought about canceling it but um so I, i've never had to go through the cancellation process but again i'm just surprised at how uh lengthy it is wow yeah i'm trying to find the actual um so this was like to cancel via the iliad flow a consumer had to first locate it which amazon makes difficult consumers could access the iliad flow from amazon.com by navigating to the prime central page which consumers could reach by selecting the account and lists drop down menu reviewing the third column of drop down links amazon presented and selecting the 11th option in the third column prime membership this takes you to the prime central page and then like you're not even close to being done at that point um, you can also get there by contacting customer service, which is funny because I have no idea how to connect, connect to Amazon customer service by phone. I don't even think that good luck trying to find a phone number there. Right. Um, you can also do it by typing in cancel membership in the search bar. Uh, this produced an Alexa answer that included an end your Amazon prime membership link. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to, they actually describe the flow and I want to read that on the air. Um, and membership, I think, is the. Okay. Okay, here it is. To complete the Iliad flow and cancel a Prime membership, this is according to the FTC, the consumer needs to click a minimum of six times from Amazon.com. Prime Central, manage membership, end membership, continue to cancel, continue to cancel. <laughs> end now so those are all the buttons that you have to find and those are all web pages and meantime when you've got those six pages coming up they keep going are you sure this is this is you know it's it's like it's like a uh 
some you're trying to break up with someone and they go but but look at all the good times we had together and 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 look at look at what you're going to be missing out if you if you end this relationship like you want you know you're not going to get you know valentine's day gifts or i don't know i've never experienced that sort of like needy sort of break up break up you know i've been pretty lucky um mainly because I, I, I i'm not a player so i i kept myself i kept except with my wife of course <laughs> so um again six steps and then every time they're just be like but are you sure you're sure you sure you don't want to do this i we love you so much we'll do all this stuff for you and it's like yeah six steps is probably too much Right. Like you could be like, are you sure here's everything you're going to get? And then if you say, yeah, I'm sure just cancel it. And, and in fact, there are websites out there. Like again, same thing. I just canceled Apple TV, for example, because Ted Lasso's over. I didn't find any other content that I was interested in. I was like, I don't want to pay 10 bucks a month or even higher just for this if I'm not going to be watching it. So I canceled. And instead of trying to navigate through the website to do it, I just typed in how to cancel Apple TV and Google will give you the search and they'll say, this is what, you know, here's the button to push. Here's the, the page to do it on. Um, you know, and again, they're taking advantage of so many other people typing the same stuff in, like just write an article, show me how to do it. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, Amazon obviously said, you know, they have the right to basically try to, to use tactics to try to keep customers. And obviously, but obviously a seven step thing, it must be working to, to get these people frustrated and not, and not cancel. Um, but we will be monitoring this to see, you know, if they have an agreement with them. Meanwhile, the FTC has been, they started up the Microsoft Activision Blizzard, uh, I want to say the injunction hearing. Uh, this is, this is going to be a five day hearing. It just started today. So we don't know exactly how this is going to end, but the, the, the judge in the case is allowing for five days to hear from experts, uh, about whether this, this merger should go through. Um, uh, and you know, we've talked about this in terms of like call of duty was the big sort of driving point and whether that's going to be allowed for cloud. And, you know, you've got, you've got people on the other side saying that if, if, if this merger is allowed, then Activision will basically be, you know, Microsoft will be allowed to prevent Sony PlayStation players from playing certain games, including call of duty and this whole, this whole imagined cloud gaming future, um, I I am not rooting for Microsoft in this, uh, and it's because I have a Sony PlayStation, and it, we already we've already seen evidence of this. Um, the big the big exclusive uh, big video game that's coming out later this year is Starfield, which is by the people from Bethesda, which made Elder uh, Elder Scroll Elder Elder Scrolls, yeah. right? Skyrim, Fallout, Fallout. Right. I love those games. Love, love, love those games. Played them all the time. And now I can't play Starfield because it's an Xbox exclusive. So I now have to go buy an Xbox. Whereas before Microsoft bought Bethesda, uh, they would have, you know, Bethesda would have released it on all the platforms and I would have been able to play it. Um, and, and it's weird because during the, the testimony for that purchase, everyone was like, oh, no, 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 we'll be fine. You know, you, you know, we'll, we'll be making games forever. And then as soon as the deal closed, they announced, oh, yeah, uh, Starfield and then Elder Scrolls 6, which would be the next one, uh, will be Xbox exclusives. So, you're, you're, and again, Microsoft is like, why would we want to screw out a potential customer base? It's like, yeah, because you want people to buy the hardware. 
And, and, and so I don't know why more people aren't talking about this because again, Activision Blizzard, they've already got Call of Duty. That's the huge, that's the biggest one. You've, you've played it. You play Call of Duty. Um, you know, you and I just started, you know, I played, I started playing Diablo four. That's a Blizzard uh, game. And so if they ever come out with Diablo five, jury's still out on that based on our experience with Diablo four. Um, you know, that, that could be a, an exclusive. I'm, I'm not happy about that. Um, I don't know. I, we'll find out next week after the testimony comes out. It's, it is the beginning stages of that, but, um, Sony even announced, uh, you don't have this on, you don't have a story on this, but there was an article by IGN that basically said, Sony is not going to share PlayStation six plans with Activision. If this deal goes through, um, and, and Good. again, it makes common sense. Like, why would they, why would they give uh, detailed information about how direct they're going to be direct competitors? Yeah. So, you know, two, two things, yeah. two things. I, am, I need you to I, get more riled up about this, Chris, as a gamer. I'll try. I'll okay. try. I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm not a fan of gaming as a service, which is the route Xbox and several other games are, are going down game gaming as a service, like cloud gaming idea, horrible idea. Uh, no, it's, 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 it's it's the idea that you can put out a you can create a game develop oh, a I game see. Okay. and it comes out half baked yep with the expectation that you're going to get um, regular updates to then finish the game right it's horrible horrible idea right shouldn't be like that right two Microsoft needs this because they just increased their price of the battle pass uh, not the battle pass game the, pass game pass yeah sorry game pass so and their hardware they, too, and their hardware. So they they kind of need this because they if they're getting fully behind the gaming as a service, you're going to need the content to fulfill uh, the subscribers of that service. So as much as I hate gaming as a service, I think Microsoft needs this, and obviously I'm not a fan of Microsoft doing this. Same as you, I'm not a fan. Yeah, um, I'm a Sony fanboy, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on it. I, 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 just, I haven't been following it that much. I hate the idea that they're making consumers choose. And a lot of people are saying that this is just going to turn into a Microsoft versus Sony, like a Xbox versus PlayStation thing again. And, uh, you know, I thought, I, mean, we were, I, thought we, like I thought we were over that for a while. And, you know, the PS5 came out and, and then the Xbox One came out and PS5 like kicked butt. Like they, well, don't forget in the middle, you got PC. Right, which is well, which is basically Xbox, but that's always like the, the PC is like the cousin that always thinks that they're better than everybody else, and they probably are. They are, yeah. No, they <laughs> definitely are. So, yeah, I usually ignore all of the PC people because they're always trying to get me, and it's like I just don't have the time to in energy and money to spend on a really good gaming PC. Yeah. Um, like like you know, you and I are playing Diablo Four together. I'm playing on my PS5, and you're playing on your your PC. I don't think I could get into the whole mouse uh, keyboard sort of thing again. You'd be surprised. It's not. What, that bad. I don't know. I think my fingers would cramp up too much. Whereas with a controller, I don't know. I don't. I don't get as as crampy. There's a word for you. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll be kind of keeping track of of that stuff as well. Uh, let's move on to uh, stuff that's going on in Silicon Valley. They are finding that the they have many, many, many vacant offices. Um, and again, we think this is because of uh, companies that are not coming back to work into the office. Um, uh, Silicon Valley companies are dumping office space at an accelerating pace as tech leaders such as Google and Facebook parent Meta Platforms are closing locations and reassessing their commitments to the workplace. Office vacancy rates in Silicon Valley, which includes the Northern California communities of San Jose, Palo Alto, and Sunnyvale, were up to 17% uh, empty 
in June, and this is up uh, from 11% in 2019. Uh, in some spots, such as Menlo Park and Mountain View, the rates are past 20% this spring. Uh, it, it's also below what's available in, in San Francisco, where the vacancy rate has more than tripled from 2019 to more than 25%. Um, I think the San Francisco issue is probably more than just sort of the return to work time up thing or the, or the remote worker hybrid work uh, issue that's going on. Uh, I think there's, they've got some issues with the homeless and other, other sorts of deals there. So, um, but in the, in the San Jose Silicon Valley area, um, again, this is proving, I think, why there are so many companies that are sort of pushing towards this return to work mandate. They're, they're, they're sugarcoating it with a lot of other issues that we've talked about and we, you know, in terms of uh, collaboration, communication between workers, younger workers needing on-the-job training and, and mentorship and all that. And those are fine. But I think the underlying reason, the underlying truth is that because CFOs are walking around the office and they're seeing empty spaces and they're going, we got to get people back here because it just doesn't make a sense from a financial perspective. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, to kind of branch off of what you said, I think it, you know, there there is the um, the aspect of um, returning to the office where you kind of need that in person. You 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 do um, communication, right? Especially if you're hiring new people coming on the job, you're gonna have to train them, and I think it's uh, I it's a lot harder to I, do it remote. I think if you took a pie chart and you and you listed out the reasons, and you were being completely honest with people, you can have a list of five you know five reasons why we want you to what why you know I'm a boss and I want you back in work. I could give you a list of five reasons. You know, a collaboration, you know, this, the, the, the bottom list parts of the list, the little bullet points, it's all the touchy feely. Oh, we want you to be better. We want, we want to be more productive. We want collaboration. We want a mentor. Um, the reason that is the top reason is because we're losing a lot of money by not being here. It's real estate costs. Yeah, it's real estate. We're paying, we're paying, you know, if you, if you were paying money for a house that you didn't live in. And you're, right. not, and you're not renting it out. And you're not renting it out. You're losing money. And you're not subleasing. You would feel like you're wasting money. If you buy a car that you're not using, you're wasting money. You know, it, that's, that's, and, but I think for a CFO or a CEO to say that, the, the employees, you know, would be like, well, so? It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not their problem. That's not my problem. You're, you you know, know, you know, and again, if you've got a large office space and is in most and half of it's empty, you try to sublease the rest of it or, you know, and there's, you know, and they're, and they're probably trying, but the market's probably not there because you've got every, every company is probably experiencing the same issue, right? Uh, no, exactly. I think it's going to like for CEOs for, you know, starting from now and I don't know, the next, you know, the rest of the year, they're, they're going to have to start making the tough decisions. I think, yeah. I think that uh, the, they're, they're tired of biting the bullet. Right. They're, they need to make, they need to, they need to start making the tough decisions of, okay, either we're going to be fully remote or you're going to do a hybrid yeah, two, three days a week and, and that's it. And yeah. stick with it. Yeah. You know, don't, don't leave it open to kind of like a free for all where the employees can do whatever they want. You don't want you don't want that. I don't think. Yeah, no, no. You, but I think you don't that they, that. they do need to make a final decision on pick a number of days because it's weird because we're right. seeing this is this is the other story uh, was that um, a small but growing list of big name companies are now taking their return to office mandates. They're kicking it up a notch and now they're demanding for four day a week. 
They're basically saying, all right, well, you can work at home one day a week, but we want you back in the, and it's probably, you can, you should now be here Monday through Thursday is my assumption. Yeah. Because uh, it, it does feel like you would get more work done on a Monday than you would on a Friday. Um, based on some other conversations and, and interviews we've done on, on shows here before, it does feel like that there's a two to three, you know, it's either two, two and a half, three days is the average. Um, but some of these companies, BlackRock, Walt Disney, Chipotle, uh, are basically uh, now trying to test uh, to see whether or not they'll get any any blowback or, or backlash if they if they mandate four. Um Let's see. BlackRock has said employees must be in the office four days a week starting in September, following nearly two years of mandating three days on site. Uh, Snap Incorporated, top law firms have also broken ranks to require four days. J.P. Morgan Chase has ordered managing directors back to the office five days a week. So, like, that's it. No more for J.P. Morgan Chase. I think that's good. Bankers. I I, I think (laughs) it's good Um, because, again, I think there are benefits to being able to work in person that I think a lot of people are dismissing for the fact that, oh, I, 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 save, I save an hour a day in my productivity by not commuting. Or, yeah. or I save money on gas. Yeah. But I, I think we're dismissing a lot of aspects of being in person. Yeah. We really are. And I think, um, I'm trying to remember, there was an article we found, I think, last week or the week before. Um, the health it, benefits? Yes. Yeah. The, the health benefits. People of, aren't walking as much. You're not in, walking in their home. as much. The mental uh, strain that it puts on you, like um, yeah, there's they're finding a lot of loneliness, stuff like that. Yeah. Like it actually does have an effect on you, and and I think we're gonna we're dismissing all of this over the benefit of just saving an hour, saving an hour or two yeah. a day. And I and I think I asked you this question before: Would you like to go back to a full five day a week? sort of plan like yeah, like, yeah, like, no, you like you've compared you've given me the analogy it's like we've been giving everybody a bunch of candy um and, and and now we're trying to take that candy away in the form of oh work at home you know it's like oh right. everyone go work at home and and now we're trying to take the candy away from the baby or take you know take that treat away would you be able to sort of then go cold turkey on this and just say all right everyone back five days a week or or is it or is an ultimatum like that force then the employee to go well screw you i'm gonna I'll go look for another job. And, you know, that there were all of those issues as well. No, I, I think the best way to go about it, to go about it, and this is my opinion, I think the best way is to meet in the middle. Yep. Right? Just meet in the middle. I'd say, you know, at max, three, four days a week. I would required say, Required to yeah, go in. Yeah. You know? And depending on your job, if it can be done fully remote, then, okay, maybe two days a week. I don't know. So try Try to meet in the middle. Um, because again, trying to make people, you know, go back to school after they've had a week off of snow days. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah. it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. And we should have thought about this from the beginning with the, you know, I mean, the whole reason why we started, you know, obviously because of the COVID has a COVID, yeah. right. Um, but we really should have thought about this when we, uh, collectively made this decision about the working from home thing. Yeah, I, I think that y- you can do this as long as you s- sort of stick to your guns on this. And and so one of the things that bothers me is when uh, a company might say, all right, well, you know, we're going to come back, like this, the, the sort of the the, tur- the tortoise and the hare thing. Like yeah, someone's yeah. like slow and steady. Sorry, so we're like, all right, we're going to mandate one day a week. 
and they tell their employees that and then employees are like okay that that's okay but then like three months later they go yeah we really want you here two to three days a week or two days a week and three you know now we're seeing companies like we really want you back four that to me sounds from the employee standpoint it was like well, how do I trust you? Like, why don't you just make the decision and then, and then to stick it, to it for you, a year? Exactly. You need to just just make the decision. And, Rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. Okay, Rip the Band-Aid off. Make a decision. All those companies, uh, what was it, Disney, BlackRock, whatever, who yeah. are mandating, okay, look, in order for us to function at 100% capacity, we need to be in the office because things can get done right. quicker, snappier. Communication, our communications line are going to be much clearer, there's going to be less miscommunication. In order to do that, we need to be in the office. Right, right. Good, pr- but this, prop, the, props this, to this, Bob Iger and, and whoever is making the decision yeah. to, to go back to the office. Yeah. Like, good, on, good on them. Like, really. So I, I'm not a fan of sort of this sort of slow approach of like eventually steady. That's like that's like the whole pot of, uh, that's like the frog in the pot of water where you're slowly boiling them versus just dumping them in. You know, wow, that, that metaphor just went completely wrong. Right, right. Okay, the other thing that bothers me and this is this is so let's say you've now strongly suggested and you could call it a mandate whatever you're you're suggesting that people work three days in the week you know three days at the office the the other problem that comes up is then managers and individual sort of employees and managers start making deals with each other and they're like you know so then you see a deal made between um so not me, but it's like, so I have, I have a coworker and then they're allowed to now only come in two days a week or only one because they have X, Y, and Z. Now, if X, you know, you know, caring for a sick parent. And again, I'm not being heartless here. I'm not, I'm just giving examples of like, they start making deals based on their personal relationship. And I'm, I'm not sort of in favor of that either because that, well, they that, shouldn't do that. that builds we, resentment we shouldn't do that. on my end. Right. Um, and, I, and I felt this when I was younger too, when, I, when we didn't have kids. You know, it's like you would see companies be like, oh, allow, you know, Joe to, to, to leave early so that he can go take his kids to a soccer game. And I didn't understand that as a, as a younger person with no kids. But then once I had kids, I, under, I totally understood it. So right, it's like, right. yeah, uh, you know, it's that work-life balance thing. I get that. Um, but I think that maybe in this case, you sort of need a policy that's like, okay, we're all in this together. This is what we're going to do. We, there will be outliers, but... For the most part, we're going to do our best to try to be here at all, you know, a number of times. You know, we we, we or, or just reward the people that come in. Yeah, give us give us gas money, give us a, whatever a stipend, you know, stipend on our, our paycheck. Give us give us some gas money. But think about this: when we all started our our corporate jobs, right? Yeah, we, we've signed uh, policies in agreeing to the statement that you need to have a car and you need to be able to drive to the, to your job. We we've all had that. It's yeah. it's in most it's in, in most, most jobs most yeah Pre, employee handbooks type of thing pre pandemic right yeah pre pandemic whenever you sign up for your job it there's some portion there being like you must be willing to come into the office must be able to drive must have a car blah 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 right the problem that we're going to run into now okay and this is me trying to like think uh, in the future here is all the people who have decided to move to other states right where. If your company now comes out and says, hey, you're required to come in X amount of days, and you let's say you live an hour and a half, two hours away, um, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Buy an EV? No. No, they're either going to have to, you know, either find another job or... Or just suck it up. Or you know, drive the two hours to, to, to work. I don't know. I mean... 
that that's that's every company that's going to be dealing with that. It is. It's going to be every company. And but then like, and then say you allow some some of those comp some of those employees to be remote. How do you then then give some sort of uh, positive feedback or bo- I don't say bonus, but positivity towards the people that are commuting and the uh, that they are coming in. And again, maybe it's just you know we'll reimburse you for gas money, or we'll get a better food option for you at work yeah. we'll bring back the snacks and the drinks i don't know if people are thinking that yet i don't i don't see that as much if as they, I, re- as if I they really wanted to attract people to come back to the office yeah. just get some food trucks on the lot <laughs> that's all it takes just I, some food trucks you know weekly food trucks water slides games toys just food trucks keith just <laughs> food trucks that's uh, all we need a playstation 5 uh an xbox with call of duty on it maybe yeah i'm trying to tie all of our topics together food trucks all right so last topic and i know that you're you're a big fan of the metaverse <laughs> did you know and i did not know this when i saw this but apparently so this week hundreds of thousands of people are expected to congregate with with their avatars in second life to celebrate the pioneering virtual world's 20th birthday all right when i saw this article the first thing i said was i didn't realize second life was still around what or is ex- it? You, you you are younger so this is this is one for the olds out there. This is for all of the the people that remember Second Life from twenty years ago. This was the big sort of virtual world. Um, you create an avatar. You can do all of these different things. They have creator tools that let you build whatever you want. Um, and it and this was this was like the metaverse twenty years ago. This was you know how everyone everyone jumped on board to this idea of the metaverse when Mark Zuckerberg changed the name of Facebook to Meta and all this. Stuff. Remember all of the people going ah. Uh, uh, metaverse is the future this is the first inclination of that was called second life it was basically a computer program i think they it's now an app i think you can download it i think i don't know i haven't i haven't i haven't been around for 18 19 years this was before they this was this was before they chopped the legs off of the avatars (laughs) this was well so people were creating avatars so business got into this in the weirdest way. Like they were like, okay, you know, there was this assumption that everybody was going to be here and businesses started opening up their own kiosks in the world. And they started holding press events and press conferences and things like that. And that completely went off the rail when people started creating like avatars that look like penises. And, 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 and it was just totally inappropriate, rude behavior, which is what happens when anything happens online in the internet. They're like, Oh, you're going to allow us to do this. I'm going to create the stupidest thing and the most offensive thing and, and ruin right. your virtual second life press conference. This is, that's what happened. And everyone, everyone in the corporate world looked at it and going, this is stupid. Why should we do this? This is dumb. And, and, and it, you know, we saw the same thing happen, I think in the metaverse where people went online and they said, well, this is dumb. <laughs> people aren't going to do it. And so, but I'm amazed that it's still around like that, that the, they did find a audience base that spends money on some of this stuff um there are people that create digital avatars and fashions and different things and you know again it's like any other sort of niche niche type hobby there if you get enough people that are of like minds to do it um you know you can sustain some sort of economy but it never became this mass thing like this is it never got to the point of of ready player one like it never did that um and one of the you know one of the things that did take off more was Roblox. And so, and again, I know you don't follow Roblox, but it's more of like a kid friendly version of this where it's like, you can play games, you can meet, you know, you can, you can have creator tools. There's all of these different 
parts of Roblox. Now, my kids are teenagers now, but they started playing Roblox when they were preteens. Um, and, I, and I've watched it and I monitor that stuff in terms of what they can do. And they do a really great job of, of, of limiting, you know, sort of offensive content and things like that. But they just announced that they are now allowing creators to uh, develop mature content for users that are ages 17 and up. So they announced that this week um, because I think what they realized was that all of the people that started Roblox probably when they were younger are now getting to that age group where they now are older. So they're now in their late teens or their early 20s. And they were like, well, we don't want to play this game anymore. So if, if you don't provide me with content of things that I want to play, I'm going to leave and go do something else. And so it's interesting that Roblox is allowing for this. Now, in order to play sort of the mature content, the users are going to have to upload a selfie of themselves and uh, hold or and then show a, a photo idea that shows their age. So, wow, you know, that's a uh, pretty stringent... Um requirements requirements well yeah i mean more so than sort of like you know they they can't require a credit card because i think most people you know people that age might not have a credit card or at least the 17 and 18 year olds so you know in terms of the age verification so i i meant to i meant to say strict (laughs) not stringent but strict strict you think that's uh, that's that's really strict you think a little bit yeah well i mean think about it like typically to verify your whether you're old enough you just put your your birth year, your your day. Right. And yeah, like, yeah, to sign up for Facebook, you just have to say that you're 13, but they don't ask you for proof. Right. This is, they're asking for actual Actual proof. proof. So. Right. So, and and that feels like it's going to be, and, and again, as part of the new experiences announced, older users will be able to view content that may contain some forms of violence, romantic themes, depiction of blood and alcohol, moderately crude humor, and unplayable gambling. I'm sure that you're going to have, you're going to see walking penises and walking boobs around, I'm sure, at some point. So probably, um, I don't know. I, but I, I think it's interesting from a company's perspective of recognizing that your user base is getting older. And as your user base gets older, if you want to keep them, you have to sort of give them content that will keep them around. You have Other, to grow with your audience. Otherwise it's, and, and again, you haven't experienced this yet, but you will with kind of kids TV programming at some point, your kids age out of it. Right. So, you know, my kids watched a lot of the, the Wiggles and, you know, all of those sort of like kid TV shows. And they have a shelf life of about three to five years. And they now shows like that, they can reset, you know, they can uh, they, there's always a built in audience. There's always a new three year old that, that will be able to watch your programming. So your your base gets recycled. Um, and I'm not sure if Roblox, you know, maybe up until now, Roblox did say like, oh, yeah, well, we'll just have new players come in and they'll experience it. But there's it's a different type of competition than it is with sort of like a kids TV show. They go from Roblox to Call of Duty, well, and the, then from the, there they go to Diablo, and then well, they go from to, there, they go Elden from, Ring <laughs> is when they're a fully fully adult or a Souls game, you know? Spoken like a true hardcore <laughs> gamer. They go from Roblox to Fortnite, Fortnite to Call yeah. of Duty, yep. or PUBG to Call of Duty. Or Apex. Uh, and then and then uh, Diablo Four's in there somewhere. Whatever. And, Elder Scrolls. Uh, you know. I, I'm I haven't true, even, true punishment. Listen, I haven't <laughs> even matured enough to go to Elden Ring in those Souls games. That you you your, and I have your different beard, your beard will grow fuller. <laughs> Just saying. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and play video games now. Go do that. All right. 
that's all the time we have for today's show. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel, like the video, add any comments you have below, tell us if you're a gamer or not, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.